Good evening, welcome back to Ulcerative Colitis Motherhood and Me. I'm Ulcerative Colitis Mama and before I go into tonight's episode, can I just please apologise for my pretty long absence from social media, um, including my podcast. Um, I did originally um, record an episode a couple of weeks ago, um, but it kind of went too complex and then by the time I came around to like editing it and listening back to the content I was just not happy with it so um and I I sort of struggle finding time um sometimes to record episodes um I prefer it when uh Big G's not home because I don't want him listening to me rambling on um sort of you know in the background when he's like sort of watching tv and stuff so um I usually pick a nice quiet evening um, when little G's in bed uh, to record all my my episodes. So um, so welcome to any new listeners. Um, you know, just to, to put it there, it's, this is a safe space. Um, so please be welcome here. Um, just for those who are new as well, um, this is a podcast that sort of branched off from my other social media um, sort of platforms really um so I tend to talk obviously about ulcerative colitis and sort of my experiences of living with a chronic disease um having been diagnosed five years ago um and I also talk about being a new parent which also happened five years ago um and the me is mainly around mental health and well-being which is something I'm quite deeply passionate about and something that I've I've sort of endured um for quite some time and uh, now I'm in a good place in rec- my recovery uh, I'm happy to share my my experiences in the hope that somebody out there it might you know reach out to them and um maybe somebody can sort of relate and resonate with that and hopefully it'll help them too um and that's basically the the ethos of um the ulcerative colitis motherhood and me um platforms really um so tonight's episode um just before we start you know I always like to put a trigger warning in if um anybody feels that um any discussions around mental health and things um may sort of cause anybody any undue distress and of course I don't want that to happen um so I always sort of advise um you know sort of listener discretion um just because there are some topics that I discussed that may affects you know um your sort of recovery really um you know without meaning to and of course uh, like i mentioned in all my other episodes that i you know it's kind of counterproductive if i cause anybody any distress or any uh, unwilling harm um just from some of the things i discussed without forewarning so um so tonight's episode i want to talk about um parenting um and the struggles um because uh, don't we all have them hey um and particularly because i'm i've struggled in the last couple of weeks myself um parenting a very willful five-year-old son so um so let's get cracking with tonight's episode <laughs> So slightly different to um, some of the other things that I discuss in in my podcast episodes on platforms is sometimes how hard it is being a parent. Um, I really, really found it difficult in the beginning, you know, the whole newborn phase just really, um, you know, it it wore me out. And um, 
coupling that with uh, a new diagnosis of a chronic illness just really sucked at the time. So um, where people have sort of said, oh, the newborn phase, it's the like, most enjoyable bit because you put them down and they stay there and they don't run off and they don't like try and do anything dangerous. And, um, you know, and they're so cute and they love cuddles and they love attention and stuff. Yeah, yeah, I get all that. And there were, you know, times where I, I, I had those warm and fuzzy feelings too. But it's also really, really hard because it's so task focused and task orientated and you're, you know, you're, you're sort of beyond tired. You're sort of in that realm where, you know, you're kind of almost hallucinating you're that tired. And um, and I've never felt anything like it in my life. And you get really short-tempered and cranky and you just, you would you would literally sell your soul for a full night's sleep. Um, but it does get easier. And that was the one big um, piece of advice I was ever given by other mummy friends was, it does get easier. And it does. Um, but what they don't tell you is it gets replaced by something else that you find equally challenging. So... Um, so little G's five now, um, you know, he's nearly five and a half. He's the absolute love of my life. And I do, I would, you know, and he is, he's totally enhanced my life for the better. Having said that, he can also be a little bit of a brat sometimes. And, you know, and I sound awful for saying it and like, you know, bad mummy me, but, you know, so sometimes our little minions are actual minions and it's just, um, you kind of find yourself leaving the room and sort of eye rolling to yourself and muttering swear words under your breath. Um, and, you know, people sometimes are just like, oh my God, that's so crass. That's so horrible. You're such a terrible parent, but we're all human. Um, and it is like being followed around by a really small, angry version of yourself um, who has the equal sass and, you know, attitude that you had probably when you were like 14. Um, but in a really, really small body. So um, he's, it, the thing is with little G, he's just started back at school. He's in a new year group. Um, he's a little bit older. He's not seen much of his friends over the summer holidays, you know, with, you know, just, you know, other commitments and stuff and not always having contact with the other parents as well. So, you know, uh, six weeks can be a long time for a kid. And, he, you know, he's really good um, at entertaining himself. He's got a fantastic imagination and he's, and he just loves being the company of adults anyway, because he just gets fussed over because he's so damn cute. But sometimes it becomes quite challenging on the parents too. Um, and I, I, you know, and I don't want to sort of compete with Big G, um, but primarily it is me that I am the main caregiver. And sometimes it's, it's it's quite a challenge to um, have a little person sort of, you know, following you around and somebody being quite dependent on you without having like that tag buddy, you know, to tag in and tag out when you're, you're getting a bit tired and cranky and stressed and overwhelmed. And, um, and I found sort of like the last sort of four weeks, possibly five, six weeks, maybe um, a bit challenging. And it's not so much his behavior or anything. He's just displaying the normal behaviors of a normal sassy five-year-old boy. But, um, and I don't know if it's just something with me. I mean, obviously it is, it is my issue um, because I'm losing my temper with him and I'm, I'm getting cranky and I'm tired and I don't want to play and I don't want to, um, you know, don't want to have to do things sometimes. I just want to just lie on the sofa and veg out and watch really crappy telly, but I know I can't do that when I've got a child. So, um, and then you start feeling guilty for feeling, for wanting those 
that time to yourself and then you're almost sort of wishing away the day so they're tucked up in bed so you can just sit down and watch your crappy tv sprawled out on the sofa with some snacks that you've been hiding from your child for the entire time so um you know so and you know i i think that there's some hormonal issues going on there with myself too so i think that's just kind of adding to my irritability at the moment um and i'm a little bit stressed with stuff i've got some big things coming up in the pipeline in my personal life and it's just like um i think i'm that conscious of not being overwhelmed that i'm kind of overwhelming myself with kind of not overwhelming myself so it's um you know so it's been a bit of a challenge the last few weeks and um and unfortunately you know i sort of felt like i failed in some way i failed my son, son in some way too so um so basically um i posted what one of my most recent posts on instagram was um, it was a little bit embarrassing, but I think, you know, hey, you know, I talk about, you know, disease colons and stuff and childbirth. So, hey, let's, why not talk about, you know, contraception while we're there as well. So, uh, back at the end of July, um, I I have an IUS. So, I have a, a contraceptive coil um, and I've had it since I had my diagnosis of colitis because, um one of the things with having um bowel disease is that you don't absorb the contraceptive pill as well as somebody without it so uh, myself five years ago um the the last thing i wanted with holding a newborn was to get pregnant so soon after um or in my case i don't want to get pregnant again so um i looked at sourcing some alternative contraception um something long term that I didn't have to rely on, you know, sort of take every day or whatever, or get topped up every few months or so. So I did some research and I got the coil. So I have the progesterone uh, coil. So uh, it's often called Marina. Um, So I had that fitted not long after um, my diagnosis, obviously, when I started to recover, because obviously, that would have been quite um unpleasant for the doctor if i was mid flare so um so anyway long and short of it is um they only last 5 years so i went in booked an appointment at my sexual health clinic um which is one of those places that you don't want to make eye contact with other people because they're like what are you in for you sure she's got something bad you know she's ooh um <laughs> so that was embarrassing enough um it was also embarrassing that one of my ex colleagues I works there so she's like oh what are you doing here and I'm like oh great you know um yeah this is this is great you know um what am I doing here in a sexual health clinic well <laughs> come to sort my sexual health out but you know luckily for her that I didn't have the clap so um and thankfully she wasn't the um staff member that sort of chaperoned the doctor in my appointment because that would have been really awkward so anyway um it was supposed to be a straightforward appointment go in you know sort of de-gown yourself get the doctor to yank out the old one and shove in a new one um (laughs) unfortunately of course nothing it appears in my life is ever straightforward so um the the current device that i have uh did not want to come out so the doctor said look you know we'll try local arsenic anesthetic uh, I'll try a little bit of force but you know we don't want to damage the device because if we do it's going to cause a bit more of a problem 
So she said, look, I'm going to have to refer you for an ultrasound scan because um, it's caught somewhere and it's not coming out. So rather, and I can see you're in a little bit of pain, um, I'll refer you for that and subsequently to gynecology. So it's quite, you know, you know, for any woman out there that's ever had um, a smear test or anything like that, um, or, you know, childbirth, it's pretty demoralizing when you're sat with a doctor's head between your legs um, in the most uncomfortable stirrups and, and you're holding hands with a complete stranger because the, the basically the, the pain that I was experiencing when she was trying to take the, the, the IUS out was almost as bad as um well they were like severe period cramps so and I never used to experience severe period cramps but I was kind of really biting my my tongue to try not to make a noise because I don't I don't do pain um I don't like to moan I don't like to complain I'm very British in that way um and even after a local anesthetic and stuff like yeah there was absolutely no chance uh, this this thing was coming out um, willingly. So I felt quite deflated. Um, I was in quite a little bit of pain anyway. Um, and of course the first thing I did when I left the, the premises was to ring my mum <laughs> because I really didn't know what else to do. I was worried. I was like, Oh my God, this is just going to like completely ruin my sex life. It's going to, um, you know, it's, it's just going to complicate things because I'm going to have to wait to have another appointment and scans and stuff. And of course, we're still in the middle of COVID. So um, a lot of appointments and stuff are running behind at the moment. So um, I got home and then Big G was like, oh, you're all right. And I just burst into tears because I was, I just felt so I don't know. It was, it was, it was painful in a way. It wasn't that painful, but it was, um, I think it was just like the whole anxiety around it because it's like oh god I've got to go and see somebody else and get my like you know downstairs out to somebody else um you know it's and I'm gonna have to have more investigations and um and I think it was just like I was hoping it would go smoothly so I could get on with like sort of normal life I was due to go well I did go out but we also went to a wedding that evening as well. So it was just like, I thought, oh, it'll be fine, get it done. And then, you know, get ready and just think about the wedding. But, um, and I was in quite a bit of pain for about 24 hours afterwards because I think everything was settling down. And, you know, I don't, I don't think those body parts like being disturbed too much. Anyway, um, so what I feel that I've noticed in the last few weeks is because obviously this, this current device is kind of coming to the end of its term, shall we say. And I think it's kind of the kind of the hormonal influence I get from it isn't working so much. So I think what I'm experiencing now is like a surge in hormones or like a depletion in hormones. So I'm finding that I'm quite irritable a lot. <laughs> um, but m mostly when I'm at home, uh, I suppose when I'm in my comfort zone, um, when I'm at work, I suppose I'm busy and I'm not thinking too much about myself. So I'm, you know, thinking about you know um more important stuff generally um and it's been a bit of a worry um and then sort of like trying to chase up the appointment as well and you're getting told oh it could be months or maybe even a year and you're like oh fantastic um and of course like you know and we all get a bit embarrassed talking about it but it's also affecting um my sex life too um because when you've been in a relationship for you know 18 and a half years you 
uh, and a very trusting relationship, might I add. It's, you know, you, you don't want to be using things you haven't used since you were teenagers. You know, you know what I'm saying? So um, it's kind of a bit of a passion killer. Um, and, you know, and it's, and it's sad because, you know, it's such a, it, it's a very intimate part of your relationship and it's, you know, you kind of miss how it was before. Um, and it, you just sort of like trying your best to, to make it as good as it was, you know, but, you know, when you've got to use extra precautions, it's kind of, like I said, it's a bit of a passion killer and it kind of delays things and then you kind of, yeah, you know, it's, it's safer and it's the best option we've got at the moment, but it's not as fun. Um, so it's, but it, if it means me not getting pregnant again, then so be it. So, um, but yeah, I'm kind of noticing some mood swings, which is quite new to me because I don't get mood swings. I'm quite, um, apart from being a highly sensitive person, but that. <laughs> That'll never change. I, I've always been the same, however many hormones are flowing around in my body. So, yeah. Um, and unfortunately, I think it's making me less patient when it comes to my sassy five-year-old. So, you know, he he's at that stage where he is pushing boundaries a little bit. Um, and it's kind of like a normal developmental stage he's going through. But it's kind of like my bullshit tolerance is really, really low. Um kind of barely existent so I am more snappy with him than usual and I feel like all I'm doing when he comes home from school is shout at him tell him off and tell him no and and it, it, it seems like, like like a lot of negative kind of vibes there um and then I feel awful afterwards I feel so so guilty I mean the mum guilt is like off the radar right now it's just totally um it's sort of really quite you know, I, I feel really, really bad um, because I only have probably precious few years with him this size. Um, it's not going to be that long until he's not going to actually talk to me and he's going to be locked up in his room and he's going to be listening to like emo and stuff if he's anything like me. Um, you know, and I, I just, I should be enjoying this time and it's like these shoulds. Um, you know, I should be doing this. I should be doing that. I shouldn't be doing this. And like I said, all I seem to do is tell him off that I seem more um, impatient with him um, and irritable. And it's not his fault. And then I have to remember, you know, I we have a, a system in our, our, our house where even when the grown-ups lose their temper, we have to apologise. Um, and we have to explain why we've lost our temper um so I've been doing that a lot lately as well I've been doing a lot of apologizing to my son um because mummy's not fun at the moment um mummy's a bit of a bitch at the moment to be honest um you know and I'm trying and I'm 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 aware of it so I'm really really trying to like pull it back a little bit and sort of use that negative energy elsewhere or disperse of it some other way um and it's you know and just sort of remembering that you know I'm 29 years older than this little dude and he he didn't ask for a mummy to be a hormonal crazy woman who's stressed at work and you know has got a million and one things on her plate you know I still have to make that time for him too um so hopefully I'm going to really make that effort with him this weekend um 
and just sort of try and reel back the the crazy um and you know and it's times that I feel like am I a particularly strict parent or am I too lenient or whichever because you're kind of damned if you do and you're damned if you don't and I'm sure there's a lot of parents out there at the moment that are like well you know oh when you know we're really strict with our with our kid and then you get kind of criticized for being too strict because you're like well you're too restrictive for your child you're too controlling blah 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 but then if you're too you know you go the other way and you're quite relaxed you've got a quite relaxed family environment and stuff and quite laid back you 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 then sort of criticize for being a bit too uh lenient and your kid gets away with everything and and all that so you know it's a complete balancing act from from the minute they they're put into your arms at the hospital to to whatever the you know the day they leave home or whatever it's it's you know, and I find, like I said, I find sometimes really, really hard. Um, and just sort of the, the keeping the discipline, but not making it like some sort of, you know, military camp either. It's, um, you know, my, my parents were quite strict, but they were also because my parents were younger. Um, they and I think because my my dad was a police officer and, in, and prior to that he was a soldier. So he was very much um, used to strict routine, authority, um, respect was a very big thing in our, in our home growing up. And um, so I, I kind of wanted to adopt that kind of, um, there are certainly elements of my upbringing that I don't want repeated. And, and that's not a criticism to my parents, but that's things that perhaps didn't work. So you kind of look at being a little bit more kind of cool in a way, but then at the same time, you don't want to be a complete um, lazy parent either. So it's, you're going to be criticized, whichever. So, you know, and so a big part of me is just kind of gone, do you know what, stuff it. I'm going to raise my kid the way I want to raise him. Um, and I'm doing the damn bestest I can. Um, and big J's as well, you know. Um, but it's... Um, it is hard and I've got I've got friends who have become parents in the last couple of years as well so they're kind of you know and and I'm really kind of flattered really that they come to me for, for advice sometimes um I don't have the answers um I've been winging it for five years and you know he's turned out relatively okay <laughs> um he's got a very good public image um so that's the main thing um he looks he's very well behaved in public um so I've got a friend at the moment who's got um, my closest friends um, have a two-year-old and my other closest friends have got nine-month-olds. So there's quite, you know, there's quite big gaps between all of our children. Um, so we're all at different stages in parenthood. So um, so CNL, who uh, basically helped me recover from um, postnatal depression, um, they had their son two years ago. Um, little t so he he's at the stage now of the terrible twos unfortunately um to be fair he's absolutely adorable um again he's i think he's got a really good public image <laughs> as most of our kids do um and i know c his mum has sort of she we're very alike in in many many ways um and she experiences anxiety too and there i'm sure there is like some something out there that's like parental anxiety because being a parent is frightening sometimes it really really is um and on one occasion I have actually been told welcome to the fear 
Yeah, so I was like, oh, that's really reassuring. Um, and she, at the moment, she's getting quite anxious because she's worried about T having uh, his little tantrums out in public. Um, so it's kind of putting her off going outside, uh, like, you know, going out and taking him out places and meeting up and um, visiting and, and things like that. Um, and I totally get it because, you know, we had that phase too. Uh, unfortunately, uh, little G didn't start doing it till he was three. So he had the three nage years instead. And I said, unfortunately, you've it's kind of part of their development and it's completely normal for them to push the boundaries and know where the lines are. And it, it's, it's, and they're getting used to all these new emotions they're feeling and it's, and it's completely normal. Um, but I can understand where she's coming from as well, because you do have this constant thing that you, when you're out in public, that people are looking at you and just judging you and going, Oh, look at her. She's so shit as a parent. Oh, look at that child. He's so spoiled. And, um, and it's really off-putting and you, you think, well, actually, no, I'm just not going to take him out then. Um, and it shouldn't have to be like that because there are millions and millions of children in the world and especially in the Western societies where our culture is so, um, so different in, in so many ways that children do feel comfortable to have tantrums and scream and kick and shout and try and get what they want. Um, and we're always going to have people that are going to judge us regardless of what we do. So, you know, and it's quite hard to get that don't give a shit attitude. Um, but you kind of fake it till you make it. So, and that's kind of what, what happened with me really was I don't get easily embarrassed. I mean, I'm a nurse, you know, I can't get embarrassed easily. I've had, I've given birth and (laughs) I've had colonoscopies and, you know, and now I've got a snagged IUS. So it's, you know, being embarrassed isn't new to me at all. So, you know, I kind of make light of it. And I said, well, look, dude, you're just embarrassing yourself. You're not embarrassing me. So um, crack on. Um, And I try and pretend that I'm not bothered. Inside, I'm probably thinking, oh, my God, I just really wish I could drag him by his ankles right now. Um, But sort of my outward impression is like, oh, look at him having a tantrum. You know, kids, eh? You know, trying to make light of the situation. And to be honest, I don't look at other people when my son's having a tantrum um, because I'm too bothered if he's in a place of safety or not and if he's safe to do so. And generally kids have tantrums because they feel they're in a safe place to be able to demonstrate that behaviour. So um, so I try and reassure C as much as possible and, and I hope that she, you know, she finds it that it does get easier and all these little phases and stuff, they do get easier and the phases really. Um, and you know, little G still has them now, unfortunately. Um, he's just a little bit louder now and a bit more vocal and he can actually tell me why he's annoyed with me. Um, so he's very much like a very, very small teenager, um, at times. And, you know, and it's a case of, I just kind of go, right. Okay, mate, if you're going to be like that, you can go and sit up in your bedroom have a think about what you've done. And when you're ready to come and apologize, you come to me and dad. Okay. And nine times out of 10, that works. Uh, even if it takes like an hour <laughs> for me to get my apology, but then I also apologize to him for losing my temper, you know, and say, so, little G man, I, I'm sorry, mummy lost, lost a temper, but you know, you really pissing mummy off. No, I don't, I don't say it like that, but I sort of say to him like, you know, 
mummy lost her temper because you know you I asked you to do this and you said no and then you got cranky and then you started losing your temper so um so I'm sorry too and then you know so I want him to be able to know that not everything in life is his fault um and that adults are not completely blameless in situations either and we get it wrong of course we do I'm like I said I've been winging it for the last five years so um so yeah so parenting at the moment is proving to be quite a challenge So one thing I hear quite often is um, how sort of parenting evolves over the generations and how um, we adopt some things that perhaps our parents have raised us, um, you know, sort of like our values and morals and and beliefs and things. But then there are some elements of that that we choose to not carry on as well. Um, and although I had a relatively stable childhood in so many ways, there are elements that I didn't have that were so, so stable as well. And um, I'm quite fortunate in that sense that I was very aware that there were some elements that I didn't want to take on when when it came to me having children. So um, for for those, you know, and I, I don't really op- openly speak about it, not because I don't want to, it's just because it's just not really particularly um, relevant anymore, is that um, my my birth parents are divorced. So, um, which, you know, is really really common these days um and with so many blended families and things as well it's like nobody bats an eyelid now but kind of my generation is a little bit more rare um and I was certainly at the time I was the only child that I knew that came from a blended family so um I still had um contact with my birth father um which um sort of in hindsight now as an adult it was probably not that beneficial in so many ways um although my mum felt it was the healthiest thing to do was to to maintain that contact between me and my birth father. Um, over the years, it, it broke down, and um, and our relationship is virtually non-existent now. Um, I haven't spoken to my birth father for nearly five years, um, and I think it probably took to there. There were lots of elements of um, our relationship that just were pretty toxic, and. Um, over the years as I grew older and sort of had a better understanding, you know, a better understanding of the world, should I say, um, I realised that he wasn't the person he kind of made out to be. Um, there were there were quite some um, unhealthy um, views that he, he shared um, and that's not kind of where I wanted to be. Um, and it wasn't healthy for a young lady to hear sort of misogynistic tones, uh, racist tones and homophobic tones coming from one of her parents. Um, and the relationship did start breaking down um, after my grandmother died, my paternal grandmother. Um, and then sort of when I became a parent myself, I think that was a real like, eye-opener. And it kind of made me realise that how um, absent he kind of was for the formative years um it was basically I used to see him once a week um that's that's if he didn't have any prior engagements you know, like going to the pub or football matches um or nursing hangover so um that was kind of my relationship for a long time that I had like a part-time parent as well as two full ones so um you know my stepfather's done the hard work and he's 
you know, primarily raised me and being my father figure over my birth father. And I know um, so many parents from, you know, my generation that are parents now that have children from blended families and, you know, and it it must sound awful to them, especially those that are um, fathers um, to hear that, you know, that I no longer speak to mine. Um, But the circumstances are all very, very different. And, you know, generally the people that I know that are parents now are a hell of a lot better parents than my father was. So, um, and, and that was very crucial for me raising little J that I didn't adopt any of those well they weren't even parenting skills if I'm quite honest and I'm not just saying that to be embittered or um to you know sort of you know throw a kick in there really it's basically because it's true um my you know my parents weren't particularly young having me um my mum was 23 my dad was 24 and I think there was that certainly an element of lack of maturity there on my dad's part. Um, and, you know, it it was d- difficult really because they I don't even know how they got together, to be honest, because they were literally, you, you hear chalk and cheese, this was like fire and water. You know, I don't even know how they ever got together. It was, except to make me, obviously, you know. <laughs> um but it, I don't know, he just, and I do wonder how different our relationship would have been if I had been born a boy. Um, and that's sometimes, that's sometimes sort of creeps in there, you know, when I'm feeling a bit vulnerable and I'm thinking about, oh, maybe I should contact him. And I realise, no, it's it's better this way. Um, he's never met little G. Um, one of the last conversations we had, he, bearing in mind, I'd just been diagnosed with ulcerative colitis. I was particularly poorly. Um, I was raising a, a newborn. Um, I had a particularly awful delivery. Um, and I just wasn't in a very good state of mind at the time. And I very, I became very reclusive in some ways. And I just seemed to keep those most precious close to me um I didn't really socialize much or anything after little G was born and um one of the things he'd messaged me was he'd basically not been in contact with me for the entirety of my pregnancy um he didn't seem that particularly interested that I was pregnant which you know I'm not too fussed about um so I saw him the Christmas Eve um before little g was born so that's a good sort of six months before um i didn't hear of him again until sort of like the late july by which point little g had been born for quite some quite a few weeks and he basically dropped like a really casual message like oh hey you know um just thinking you are you due to sort of like have the baby around right now now you know that's probably not the most sensitive thing because without sounding awful, I mean, anything could have happened. Um, and it was just purely his lack of interest. And it just seemed so forced that he wanted to ask. It was like, he felt like he had to ask. So I wasn't, like I said, in a very good place at the time. So I was quite short in my responses, which he didn't seem to, to sort of take the hint with. And I just sort of said, Oh, Hey, um, I had the baby like six weeks ago, or whatever. Oh, great. What did you have? 
a boy. Oh, what did you call him? So I reeled off little G's full name, bearing in mind his surname. Uh, one of it, he's he's double barreled because you know we're posh. Um, but I changed my name by deed poll to my stepfather's name when I was sixteen, and so little G had my um surname, which is the same as my stepfather's. And it was just like, nah, he's not he's not interested. And then I just sort of said to him, like, I'm not being funny. You've you've not contacted me for, for months. You don't seem particularly interested. Just what do you want, really? And then he said, Well, to be honest, I'm disappointed that I was not informed of little G's birth. I was like, Oh, sorry, I didn't realise it's a frigging business transaction. Cause he he's just he's one of these high flying business well, he's not even high flying businessmen. He got made redundant and he wasn't even high flying anyway. He was sort of like middle management somewhere. Um he had very high delusions of grandeur. And I was just like, Wow, what a narcissist you're having a go at me for not informing you that my baby had been born when you could have asked me any time in the last sort of few months if I was due or if you even gave a shit but you know you didn't so and you know he's never met him um and I've made it quite clear that you know never say never if little g um sort of wants to go and find his birth grandfather at some stage in his life I will not stop him however I'd rather he didn't because as far as I'm aware, he's got two sets of fantastic grandparents and lots of friends and family. And, you know, he he doesn't need that kind of toxicity in his life. But I know it's not my decision to make. I can only make that decision while he's young. Um, what he does when he's older is his choice. And I will never, and I'll try and stay kind of neutral on it. But, you know, um, my birth father is particularly misogynistic and that's not something that I want my son to practice either. I want my son to be able to be quite open-minded, to be um, modern in his thinking. I want him to be quite forward thinking. I want him to embrace diversity. Um, I don't want him to have any kind of prejudices growing up. I want him to just accept the world as it is and all the beautiful, wonderful, weird and different people there are out there um and you know and I want him to embrace that um he won't if he meets my birth my birth father it's just I don't know he just um and this is one of the episodes that I wanted to discuss and I and I, I recorded like a whole piece on like sort of the breakdown of my relationship with my birth father and you know and it was quite painful revisiting it because there's like so many without this is going to sound awful and I, I you know and it and it probably will but I don't even like my birth father um he's he's that kind of slimy middle management misogynistic you know thinks he's something he thinks he's like better than everyone and he thinks he's the cock of the walk he's got the gift of the gab he it's sort of you know, he's popular, people know him, people like him, but it's just a front and it's just poisonous. And 
you know, and it's not healthy. And some of the things he used to say to me, you know, as an impressionable young lady would just, you know, okay, not always a lady, but, you know, impressionable young woman were quite appalling, really. Um, case in point, I was probably about nine or 10. I went through a bit of a football tomboy kind of phase probably to kind of get more attention from my dad, to be honest, um, because he he's a massive football fan. Um, and sometimes you kind of do that to get the approval of other people. Anyway, um, I think we were watching something like football probably on TV. And I said, you know what, when I grow up, I think I'll be a football manager. Because, you know, like in <laughs> through nine, ten-year-old's eyes, it just looks like all you do is stand on the sidelines and shout at people. Seems quite relatively easy to me, and you get paid loads of money for it. I'm sure it's a lot more complex than that. And like as an adult who doesn't really follow football, I know it probably involves a lot more work than just shouting at people. Um, and he turned to me and he said, "You can't be a football manager." I was like, well, "Why not?" Oh, probably because I'm not. I've never been professional football or whatever. Because you're a girl. So I was like, wow, okay then. Should I saying that to the women's FA then, pal? Never mind. Um, and he's just make comments about, you know, uh, anybody from the LGBT, LGBTQ community. Oh, I always get those words, letters mixed up. Anybody from L. GBTQ plus community. I do apologize if I've said that wrong. Um, it's very late at night. Um he'd make comments, oh, they're all over the TV now. They. Who they, you know. Um, that or racist comments. Sort of along the similar sort of, oh, they're all over the TV. What how uh, just I, I've just, you know, and I think this is precisely why he's not in my son's life. Because of this narrow-minded sort of, oh, just masculine toxicity. I can't even speak now. It's quite late at night. That masculine toxicity. And, you know, that's not what I want from my son. I don't want that for my son at all. I want my son, like I said, to embrace everything. And the more fantastic and diverse, the better. Um, even more so if it means it pisses off my dad too. Um, it's just, he's just a very poisonous human being. And um, so, but one thing I learned from that was that he also spoiled me. So rather than show me love and affection, discipline, boundaries, um, educating me, um, show me morals and ethics and beliefs and things, basically what parents should um, be showing and teaching their children to be responsible, you know, the next generation of responsible adults. Um, he would buy me something to well buy my affections as well as buy my silence so he could lie on the sofa nursing his hangover from the night before while he watched the cricket or um was verbally abusive to my grandmother 
Um, so yeah, it would involve buying me toys or um, fast food or sweets or giving me money to go to the little shop next door to his and just buying whatever crap off the shelves. I He never once cooked me anything. He never once made me lunch. He never took me on days out that I can recall. Um, you know, he. I was just basically just uh, an obligation. Um, just a few hours out of his Saturday, um, which he, you know, which he did. I don't think he even wanted to. I think he'd rather be out with his lads getting drunk and uh, watching the football. But there you go. Um, don't have kids if you want to maintain that lifestyle. Anyway, um, so yeah, it was, I, I then became so sure of not spoiling my son that, you know, I, I took offense to, oh, well, he gets his own way a lot. It's not, I learned from my mum, who I think is the most, um, amazing woman. And, you know, she's not right 100% of the time. You know, I've had a few uh, disagreements with her in the last few years, but she's very, very logical and straight to the point. And that's what I love about my mum, because I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. I go around the houses, as you can tell. Um, and one of the things she taught me was pick your battles, because that's what my grandmother told her. You pick your battles. Sometimes I relent to certain things, not necessarily the behaviours, but by God, you've got to stay sane with a child. I don't know how people do it more than once, if I'm quite honest. I think people need to be dished medals for subsequent children. Um, and I, you know, I, I said to little G on the drive home, I picked him up from my mum's after work today. And um I can't even remember how we got in the conversation, but we have some random conversations on the drive home sometimes. It's usually because I'm keeping him awake and he's keeping me awake so we can get home safely. And um, I said, you know what, mate? If people ask you why you're an only child, just say, well, mummy and daddy wanted a perfect child and they just got me. So they didn't need another one. Um, Because that's like another thing. Um, I get that I'm the one of the one and done um mothers or families um and a lot of people really struggle to get their head around that and like even today's day and ages i i still get like the odd like what you've only got one kid yeah i've got my legacy <laughs> um i think it's like some sort of weird oh okay so when you have the next one next what I'm going to get a dog. I'd rather get a dog, to be quite honest. I don't want another child. But they just seem to think it's like some sort of illness. Oh, why? Why don't you want any more kids? And you're like, well, not that it it's anybody's business, um, why I don't want any more children, but there are several massive factors why me and Big G don't want any more children. And that's not to the detriment of our son. We love our son so so much and he's in our in our eyes he is perfect he can be a little grot bag at times but <laughs> so can big g <laughs> and so can i i suppose um but it still baffles some people 
and uh, and we're one of very very few people that we know that only have one child um and it's almost like in a sense that people think you're not like a real family because you only have one child but then you think well actually you can be a family as a couple you'd be a family as a couple with a dog or a cat or a rabbit or in our case a chinchilla you know it family doesn't mean you have i don't know what like at some point like people just assume that when you get to a certain age that you like as a woman you have to have children it, because that's what women do. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Maybe in the 1950s. Um, but, you know, again, going away from the misogyny and the, the whole sort of stereotype and the archetypes of what women should and shouldn't be. Um, Ten years ago, I didn't want kids. <laughs> I, I was going to have cats instead. But then, you know, um, I... 10 years ago I was still with Big G and Big G's allergic to cats so that was a bit of a um that wasn't gonna happen um and it was only that when we got to a place of like sort of financial security and we'd done the whole we'd had a few pets um and so we'd had like practice in a way of like responsibility um then we decided no we'll we'll start a family and I never really envisaged, envisaged, if that's a word, having more than one child because I don't know, it was just never on the plan really. Um, and then have, have, having, having been through what I've been through in the last five years, why would I want to go through all that again? I mean, I would if it meant having little G all over again. Of course I would. I'd go over hot coals and anything to have, you know, if the outcome meant having little G again. But... I wouldn't want to do that again for for something that I don't really particularly want. And I know they say you can't regret having children, but I just think, well, you can't exactly get a refund either, can you? You know, once the do- the deed's done, the deed's done, and you've got another child. You know, you can't. You know, it it's not as simple as like just giving it up if it doesn't go well and it affects your relationship and your finances and your property and your, you know, and like I said, you don't have to justify yourself to anyone. But I I'm, I feel so exhausted by it sometimes that people are just like, well, you're not normal because you only have one child. You're and you say, well, I'm not normal anyway, to be honest and sod normal. I've always been weird and I've always liked to be a little bit rebellious. So sorry, yeah, I'm going to have one child. I'm quite happy um, not putting my body through all that stress again, notwithstanding the fact that I've also got a chronic illness on top of that that probably won't like being pregnant again. Plus the fact, you know, I don't want my body getting all, you know, and I don't mean this to any any women out there that, you know, have had subsequent pregnancies and babies and things. But I don't want my body to alter again. It's I really, really struggle with body image as it is. And yeah, you know, I, I kind of loved my pregnant body in so many ways because it to me it was like the epitome of um I wouldn't say the epitome of femininity because again that's insulting to people that don't wish to have children or that cannot have children. But I felt healthy, I felt glowy and and 
you kind of do get like positive attention towards you and things and plus your bra size goes up like two sizes and that's fantastic for somebody who's had a very modest um when the boobs were giving being giving out um but then i don't want to go through the leaky boobs and the the you know the bloating and the swelling and the the pain and the you know and again i know i don't have to justify myself but i don't want my body to change so much again um and i don't want to go through childbirth again and it's i don't want to go through the newborn phase again and i don't want it to trigger my mental health again it's taken me a long long time to get to a relatively comfortable position in my life and why would I jeopardize that to suit what society expects of me you know it's it's ridiculous isn't it and there was a really good article actually that was shared by mummy social on instagram um quite not so long ago and it was about the one and done kind of um families and there are so many different reasons why people just choose to have one child and I think people just forget that sometimes that it's not your business why people choose to have or not have children or choose to have one or ten or however many everybody's different and I'm not a particularly maternal person I mean I love my son I absolutely dote on him but I'm not one that goes out of my way with children I respect children you know and I'll you know I, I love my friend's children and things like that, but I, I'm not, I'm not an earth mothery type at all. I wanted my legacy. I wanted that, um, I wanted that experience of being a parent and I've got it. So why do I need to have another child? I don't. Um, so, you know, it's, it's frustrating really and it took me a good couple of years to to actually look at babies and hear them cry because it used to trigger me so I couldn't go through all that again um and sometimes you know and I can sort of say that to people sometimes but other people they're just so pig-headed and they're just like oh you'll change your mind no I I really really won't um, to the point where, you know, if this whole like replacement device thing doesn't work, um, I would actually seriously consider getting my tubes dyed. I know it sounds drastic to some people. I don't really know what it'll do to my hormones. That's the only issue. But that's how sort of adamant I am not to have another child. And that's no disrespect to little G. But he's happy being on his own. And I don't want to have to worry about money. I, you know, my parents had two children and all they seem to do is worry about money, you know. And although we had, you know, me and my brother were fine, you know, and we never went without, it was still, you know, I don't want, I don't want to have to worry about wages and, you know, childcare fees and stuff. I've gone through all that and I've come out the other side, you know, I'm, thankfully my son is in school now and I don't have to worry so much 
And I know that when he gets to a certain age, we may be able to help fund his university or a home or something for him, something that he wants to do if he wants to go traveling or something, you know, we'll be able to support that. We couldn't do that if we had more than one kid. So I want to give him the best start in life, you know, and why should that matter to somebody else? Are they paying for him? No, I am. So yeah, screw it. Um, so yeah, I don't know if anybody out there has had the same sort of thing. The the one and done kind of families, you know, if or if you haven't got any children, people are sort of looking at you as if to say, well, when are you going to start a family? And when are you going to have kids? When are you going to give me grandchildren? Why do people have to be like that? It's just respect people's wishes. You know, it's, it's not what they want. They want to do what they want to do. So, so yeah, that's kind of my overall rant about parenting this evening. So before I start wrapping everything up tonight, because I'm I'm aware that I have rambled on quite a bit, I get quite passionate about some things sometimes and then I have to kind of slow down. Um, can I just please apologise to the LGBTQ plus family? Um, because for some reason I can't get my letters the right way around tonight. Um, I've had a very long week in work. <laughs> um, so massive apologies um, for that. Um, I don't know why I find it so difficult to say. Um, but um, like I said, so ho- hopefully um, some of this content's resonated with some guys out there tonight. Um, it's it is quite infuriating sometimes being a parent. Um, it's uh, certainly a challenge. Um, it's also the best and worst paid job um, in the world. But it can also be incredibly rewarding too. Um, and from what I've learned on my relatively short five years as a parent, uh, um, I'm still waiting on a, a medal Um in the post but you know apparently they don't dish them out or like you know rewards cards or something that'd be quite good um but overall you know he has only enhanced my life um maybe pushed it to the boundaries or at times but he's actually awesome um and you know sometimes I just go in and check on him in the evening I'm like oh wow I did good or we did good I should say it wasn't just a you know effort um although I did most of the work um you know I just think we've just made this incredible little human um who's incredibly sassy witty has an incredible sense of humor um and is just like an old man trapped in a young man's body so um it's it does pose a challenge sometimes and I do think that perhaps um a lot of this irritability and stuff is not only just from working a stressful job in the middle of COVID again. Um, but also, you know, um, there's probably some elements of like hormonal issues going on with my broken down coil. Um, so hopefully I'll get an appointment, an outpatient appointment soon. So my medical records are slowly getting thicker and thicker by the, by the year here. Um, and then I may have to go and see a gynecologist and have it forcibly removed under general anesthetic. So that'll be fantastic. So I'm hoping it doesn't get that far, but, and I don't want to put anybody off having marina coils or cob coils or anything either, because, you know, I find them, I find it massively beneficial. Um, and of course I've forgotten about it for the last five years. It's been that unproblematic for me until now. 
um so hopefully that will be coming up in the pipeline soon so um yeah um so you just think like oh you've managed to get sort of one health problem sorted and you end up developing another one great fun being being me um (laughs) no so anyway um as always, if anybody is out there struggling with any of the content that I discuss in any of my uh, blog posts or any of my podcast episodes, please, please speak to somebody, whether it's um, a healthcare professional, whether it's a friend, your um, local clergy person or anybody, just a friendly face, anyone. Um, just keep talking, keep, you know, let's get rid of these stigmas around mental health and parenting, you know, for the especially for the one and done families or for the we're a couple and we're happy families and we don't need children families and we'd rather have dogs cats rabbits or guinea pigs or reptiles or whatever pets people have these days um you know let's just be more accepting of people's choices um because largely they don't affect your own life so um but like i said please seek help if any of the content has Um, resonated with you and you feel that you need to seek help um, and talk there are fantastic apps out there if you don't actually want to talk to somebody directly if you just want to source help for self uh, self self-guided support um you know there there are plenty plenty of things out there um i will be trying to um stick a blog post on at some point when i seem to find time um at the moment i'm struggling to string a sentence together i'm pretty damn tired now so um as always much love and like i said there are big big things come up in the pipeline that i do want to share with you guys but not yet um it's uh nothing surrounding um ulcerative colitis mother and me it's something a bit more personal but i'm just very wary of kind of declaring anything publicly right now so um as ever please take care remember you are loved you're cared for and remember, it's always a safe place. So take care, good night, no star, and speak to you soon.